0: Welcome to the International Civil Society Center's Futures and Innovation podcast. I'm Miriam Niehaus, the Head of Collaboration and Partnerships here at the Center. Today, I'm joined by Nana Afadjinu, the Executive Director of the West Africa Civil Society Institute and core member of the Reimagining INGO initiative, as well as Wolfgang Yaman, our Executive Director. So really pleased to be with both of you here today. We're talking about power shift and power shift in the social justice and development sector has really taken quite some traction in recent years. And there's many initiatives that have sprung up to demand the power holders like ICSOs, donors and resource rich organizations to reflect on their practices as well as their behaviors. Nana, you are co-leading the Ringo initiative. It would be really interesting to hear a little bit from you what this is all about and how this actually addresses this landscape within the power shift community.
1: Thank you very much, Miriam. So Ringo is reimagining the INGO. But what it's looking at really is how do we make sure that we balance the inequitable System that we have, talking about our development space, our development system, and how do we make sure that we have a better power balance and that resources also reach all the different parts that needed to do their work. There's respect, there's trust within the system, and we are able then to achieve better impact. And it's using or working with the INGO because of the critical role that INGOs play within this ecosystem. So that is what Ringo is. Many of us who have worked in this space are very passionate about social justice. We have been for many years concerned about the systemic injustice and inequality. We may have discussed it in some of our corridors, complained about it in some caucuses. But in a sense, we felt that it was too big a problem or too entrenched to do anything about it. Sometimes we felt insignificant or too small to bring about the change. So what the Ringo is doing, what is happening now, is to provide that opportunity to analyze what we currently have, throw a spotlight on the areas where the system needs fixing, and also look at areas where there are opportunities for change. And we have done this through an inquiry and discovery phase. We've drawn out those areas of what we call fertility. We've done this through an ideation or design phase. And then we are sowing the seeds to germinate something that is positively transformative. And this is being done through a prototyping and piloting phase. So we have this being done over two years with people from all over the world, people who are already working within the system from all the different continents. They've worked in the development space for years and in different parts of it, human rights, humanitarian, environment, peace and security. But they are discontent with what we have and are ready for change. So Ringo is a deliberate focus initiative for transforming the flawed development infrastructure that we currently have, working with the INGUs as a critical part of that system. So we are ending this year and have one more year to go.
0: Thank you, Nana. It's hugely inspiring, I think, to see what, what Ringo is doing and all those that are involved. The Center also, of course, works with the INGO, or the International Civil Society Organization. And Wolfgang, maybe you can tell us a little bit what we as the Center and together with our community are doing about power shift. And I think what would be really interesting is to hear, are we actually seeing more than just incremental steps?
2: Yeah, thanks, Miriam. And... Um... Uh, you're right. I mean, the International Civil Society Center has in its DNA to make the work of INGOs or ICSOs, as we call them, better, more impactful, more legitimate, and also make sure that they cope with the challenges that are out there and not just do a better job, but maybe also transform to organizations that are more contemporary than they have been years and years ago we are probably not at the stage of reimagining INGOs, so i think it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to complement what is what is happening in uh, nana's universe and and that of her, her partners in crime if i may say so we're critical friends but at the same time the center has taken this from a slightly different angle. Some four or five years ago, uh, we started to engage the ICSOs in a discussion they were rather uncomfortable about. And it had to do with the fact that there were power imbalances in those organizations. And people didn't like to talk about this. So very different from maybe today, where power shift has become almost a a global narrative. Um, I think at that time, five, six years ago, it was it was difficult to address, uh, particularly powers that rule within an organization that is meant to address social injustices and make sure that people are empowered rather than reflecting on their own strategies, structures and uh, processes. So we basically started with critical self-reflection. The majority of the CEOs that we work with, were rather unhappy about their own structures, the governance they were working and trying to reform every now and then. And we engaged them in what we call Power shift Labs. And those labs went quickly way beyond the fact that there were governance issues to be addressed. Uh, we expanded into discussions over decision-making, about participation, particularly of the people they were to serve, and of course, also how these organizations deal with resources. And the interesting thing is that while quite a number of the ICSOs were engaged in those power shift discussions and the ambitions were high, they also encountered setbacks. And I think some of the more revolutionary approaches that some of the ICSOs tried caused significant resistance, both in their own organizations and also maybe with the people that are providing the resources and literally some some people lost their jobs over being too ambitious. So uh, we continued to go into some more challenging formats. This year actually we had a hard talk event where we discussed with some of our critical friends, partners and the like. And now we're also engaging with donors in the discussion over Power shift. And uh, we're at the stage, I think, where we're moving closer to the Ringo initiative because I think what is happening there is uh, incredibly helpful for us to rethink and reimagine as the name says, the future role of ICSOs as they're trying to even out and balance the power relationships.
0: Thanks Wolfgang for sharing this. You both already mentioned that of course ICSOs are not living in a void but they are part of a system or of how you mentioned it Nana an infrastructure and it seems that the development system in and of itself is rather stable and it serves many many people's interests and It is therefore also very difficult to change. But if we actually change the system, topple the system, as many looking at it at the moment, also within those initiatives that exist, wouldn't that systems change imply, Wolfgang, that the ICSOs would eventually have to disappear? And how would you see those transitions realistically happening?
2: Yes, in consequence, you're right. I mean, I struggle a little bit with the system's change ambition because also you may argue that the system is faulty. It is not working. You may also argue that there has been a lot achieved through the system, the system of you know, global aid, social justice, solidarity and the like. But of course, you're right. I mean, something needs to dramatically change here. And if we, if we think systems change. Consequently, then yes, you're right. Some of the ICSOs or organizations would have to disappear. I mean, it's it's, it's a fairly simple uh, narrative. I mean, if we're trying to eradicate everything from hunger, poverty, injustice and the like by the year 2030, when the SDGs are to be achieved, Then as a consequence, many of our mandates would actually be successfully completed and terminated. I've been leading an organization that has the combat against hunger in its name and in its mandate. And that organization celebrated its 50th anniversary some years back. And at that time, the organization said, no, we do not want to turn 100. We want to make sure that hunger goes away. And we want to make sure that we and our mandate is being fulfilled and we basically complete our, our service. That's the big ambition. Let me be a bit more pragmatic, uh, even at a lower level, like successfully completing some projects or even exiting from countries, not just for financial reasons, but these approaches are not very widespread. The business model that ICSOs are working on does not reward exiting or completing or or ending something. There's definitely something out there which needs to be addressed. But let me complete kind of the thought with, with a bit of a challenge, because it is it is wonderful to imagine a world where aid uh, is not needed and the current system is not needed anymore. But of course, something like global solidarity between those who have more and have less and have more opportunities and have less opportunities will continue to be needed. I think this is something that we need to think about, you know, how do we continue with the global solidarity ambition in a different form. And the system change for me is is a little bit ambivalent because it can be also a smokescreen. We're aiming high, we want to change everything, but we might disregard practical steps and practical approaches and advances, or we even provide an excuse for those who are skeptical about systems change, saying this is a theoretical construct, we would never go there, so we might as well not engage. So uh, I'd say this is something where we need some, some continued discussion.
0: Thank you. And I'm sure Nana is already itching with responding to that, <laughs> because I know you, Nana, and, and Ringo have been talking quite a bit about systems change. So, yeah, I would like to hear from you how you would respond to to some of those challenges that Wolfgang's put out there. Is systems change a theoretical perspective only? Or, you know, would you challenge him back and say, actually, this can be affected? But if so, how?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. First, even before I go there, I mean, for me, I see ICSC as very much also a partner in crime. (laughs) If You're talking about all these things that you've been working on for the last six years. It definitely does have a connection to what is happening now. It's just that now we have many more people, many more people who actually want to do something about it. And that's what the systems change process is about. It's not a theoretical perspective only. It is very practical. And actually more practical than theory would have it. Now, everything runs on a system. It may be a good system or a bad system, but there definitely is a system. Let me use the analogy of the human body. All of us have one. It runs on a system. And now, if you maintain a good system, it enables better health and well-being. If you do not, you get sick and may even die. And you could even look well Like our ecosystem within the development space is looking now. It may look well, but have underlying diseases if you do not check regularly and fix the bad things to make sure that you are well. You could have some cells that are doing very well, but mainly feeding on bad things. So when they overgrow, they become a cancer to the body and destroy it. So in the same way, the development architecture that we have now may seem stable, but it is sick. There are vital organs in the body that have not been taken care of and strengthened, many of whom are local organizations, especially those based in the global south and also marginalized communities in the global north. And we've talked, I mean, I think Wolfgang also mentioned the power imbalances, and it does have its effects on the whole system in different aspects of it. So... We cannot say that this is just theoretical because we need to actually look at what it is that we are doing practically and see what changes can be brought about. The system that we have was put together by people or by by different communities within the system who want to benefit from it in one way or the other. And those same groupings can bring about that change. If our body is sick, we need to check it, take it to the hospital, whatever it is, and make sure that it is checked to get that wholeness that we need. And that is what we have to do. I think you were asking how it can be effective. There are a number of things. I mean, the Peace Direct report that looked at structural racism that shows up in the sector, and there are different areas in recruitment, in fundraising, in partnership with local actors, organizational structures in the strategies that INGOs, ICSOs, as Wolfgang refers to them, their knowledge generation and analysis that they work with, language relationships. These are all different parts of the system where you have some of the flaws happening. In the same way, you can look at those different aspects and try and fix what is wrong there. And there are organizations that have already been on this track. Yes, there, there may be areas where you have challenges because no good change comes easily. You have to work at it. But that has to be done. That work there has to be done. There's a need to have conversation with the constituent parts of the, of this body. So if organizations are working with different partners, are those partners Are you even having a conversation with them about what it is that they really need and how you can work with them to bring about those changes? There's a need to have that kind of, you know, empathy instead of sympathy, you know, within the system. Different organizations can transform their mode of operations to achieve sustainable impact. And that means they need to take the context they are working in into serious consideration. You have several INGOs that are working in local contexts. And yet, when it comes to looking at benchmarks for measuring success, it comes to looking at even the kind of information that they work with, the language that they work with, engage in. The context, you facilitate the agency of the people you work with, strengthen them, trust. There should be trust. There should be respect. There's need to value, knowledge, expertise, and capacity coming from local partners. And you work in solidarity. Wolfgang mentioned solidarity. It is very, very important and continues to be so. And particularly advocacy with donor partners, because we do know that INGOs a lot of the time, they may want to do something differently, but because of compliance issues from their donor partners, they they have to toe a certain line. So how do they address that, still remain accountable and be less transactional? more transformational in what they do. Now, that does need some advocacy, and INGOs cannot do it alone. They need to do it in solidarity with other INGOs and also with their partners, local partners. Their awareness and sensitization with your public. So if you are talking about INGOs, many of them also raise funds from the citizens of countries that they are, they are based in, particularly if you are looking at global North countries, how many of them really understand the context that you are working in and are able to give that kind of respect and trust that you need to give? What are the stories? What are the narratives that they are hearing about your local partners? So these are some of the things. I mean, There are specific things that can be done to bring about change. It's just that it's not easy to do. But now we do have the critical mass. We have the momentum. How do we make sure that we sustain that and push to bring about transformation? I think that is what we need to be looking at because nobody has said it's easy. It's not going to be easy. But we need to put in the resources and the efforts that can bring about that transformation.
0: I love the analogy with the human body. Several things. Let me just briefly note the Peace Direct report, indeed an incredible report, really useful with a lot of tangible advice, something that listeners can find in the notes. Now, we've talked a little bit about Ringo and you've addressed sort of the larger context, Nana, and you already mentioned a critical mass of people who are willing to work for systems change, and we'll get back to that critical mass in a moment. But another question to you, Nana, is do you think there's ways for the less powerful actors at the moment to actually achieve their goals? Are the avenues that we have sufficient or do we need a revolution or actually are some of the initiatives that are already out there like the Grand Bargain or the localization pledges sufficient or can we build on those? Where do you see us currently?
1: I mean, I don't see having a revolution and building on those commitments that we have as mutually exclusive. Yes, we need a revolution with what we have. We do need a revolution to change things. But the commitments like the grand bargain, the localization pledges, they are all part of that. What is important is that they must go beyond the rhetoric to action. Not all revolutions are violent, but what is important is that there must be a transformation. So we cannot just tweak the edges and maintain the status quo. There are several initiatives that are going on. And that's why I keep on talking about this critical mass and the momentum. There are a number of initiatives that are going on. So they must continue and they must produce actionable results. There's Ringo shift the power, and I'm talking about this one, the one that is being facilitated by the Global Fund for Community Foundations together with several other organizations, a lot of them also based in the global south. You have INGO transformative initiatives from organizations like Oxfam, Plan, Trocare. There are different um, organizations that are doing some good work with their own strategic direction. You have work being done by networks like ICSC, like Pathos, BOND, DOCAS, Venro. these are all different coalitions of INGOs who are, and, and also national organizations of their countries, that are really bent on bringing about change, and are doing, uh, you know, working towards that. You have pledges, USAID talked about the, the pledge that they were making to localization, to give a, a quarter of their funding to support local organizations directly. You have Interest in transformation from donors like the Bosch Foundation, Hewlett-Ford Foundation. Within the global south, there are organizations that are doing work and pushing forward initiatives. Uh, Look on, for example, local resource mobilization work and the mind shifts change. You know, lessening dependence on external donors being led by organizations like WACSI, KCDF, Vildegansen, ZDF, and others, these are all parts of this revolution. So what is important is to maintain and increase the momentum and for all of us to be committed to change. The less powerful, as you you, you referred to, to them, are only so because the system as it is has made them so. So what is important is for us to recognize and the power that they have, and bring out that power to facilitate the agency that they have. One thing that could be done, and for now, I'll just refer even to just that one, is to also decrease that emphasis on money as the main resource that needs to be respected. When you have partnerships that, that you know you are working with local partners, yes, you may have one organization that is bringing money. But the other partners are also bringing something to the table. And so those resources that they are bringing must be valued as well. I wouldn't say devaluation of money, because money is valuable. I mean, you cannot say it is not. But I think rather a valorization of other resources as well. It's not just money that is needed to get things done. I believe that we are in a revolution. And all these different commitments and pledges are part of that. What's important is that we should ensure that we are not just talking, we are actually going to act and bring about the change.
0: It sounds hugely encouraging also to hear about all those different initiatives that are out there and to the listeners, don't worry if you didn't catch all of those, we'll also put them in the um, uh, podcast notes. And you mentioned several times We've we've got the critical mass, and I know the um, mass that sort of developed around Ringo is really impressive and and very encouraging. Now I have to say, me personally, I'm always a little bit doubtful about if we're there yet and whether we're not maybe too much in a bubble. So I'm maybe more on the skeptical side, but I would like to hear from you, Wolfgang. Are you where Nana is? Do you think we have a critical mass of donors and ICSO stakeholders to actually take action and move really beyond the rhetoric? And would you also say that the majority of the ICSOs and, in fact, the donors are actually by now quite self-conscious of the power they wield in regard also to the resource money and also the doubts around their legitimacy? What would you say?
2: I think i'm on, on the same page with nana here i think that the glass is more than half full rather than half empty i do think that we have much more of a critical mass than we've ever had and i've been in the sector for quite a while but what nana is right about and what i think what we must not forget such momentum such critical mass movement can go away actually if we don't seize the moment if we don't take the the windows of opportunities that have opened such dynamics might be quickly overtaken by we have seen uh, global events, things that kind of reshape the, the world and the world of civil society around us. So it is important that we maintain the momentum. It is important that we push. It is important that we also provide both incentives and maybe also be frank about some necessary um, criticism and shaming if needed. Because if we miss that opportunity, we might be getting to s- back to square square one um, if if we're not cautious. The big task that we do have ahead and you've mentioned now or both of you have mentioned the, the peace direct report is that we're talking about a fairly comprehensive approach so this is not about changing one or two things the systems change to come back to that one more time or last uh, one more last time is of course talking about all the various things that need to improve or be revolutionized whether it's the language the fundraising the attitudes the decision making the way we deal with resources and i like the comprehensive approach But it's something big, you know, and it's something so big that we cannot make progress if we don't utilize the combined forces that are out there. There is, to a certain extent, also some counter-tendencies that we're seeing. There's a tendency that we're seeing amongst some of the ICSOs to move away from sector-wide initiatives, to more focus on what an organization can do on their own. It's not a good tendency because uh, we need to make progress as a sector. Uh, Maybe what is the most promising fact is that it's almost parallel to the kind of the street movements, the the Fridays for Future movements that, for instance, you know, push the climate change agenda, is what has been mentioned earlier, you know, Black Lives Matter, the structural racism, the Me Too, the shift to power. These are all kind of extra organizational movements, movements that happen outside organization, that that strongly push push on the legitimacy and the uh, and 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 the power structures uh, in the sector and this is so important you know to maintain this kind of push and 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 ride on that wave if, if you wish and at some point in time to transfer the dynamic that is happening outside the organizations into the organizations so i would agree i think there is a, there's a window of opportunity that we need to utilize and and, and capture collectively and that would probably be the plea or the pledge that we don't miss out on that opportunity
0: it's good to hear that you both are quite optimistic but very clear message that we should not and cannot let up at this point in time in particular now i would like to fast forward a little bit in our minds and think about you know if we come to the place where Ringo and all of those who who are part of it and the centre are creating their prototypes and innovative mechanisms and new systems. How about the new power imbalances that might come with those? We need to be careful about actually not Creating new harmful practices and make sure that we don't throw the baby out with the bath water, so Nana, how do you see that? How do we avoid sort of further harm when we go forward with innovative and new practices?
1: I think what is important is to make sure that the different parts are part of the change process, so I mean we do have if you look at our system we have we do have our donors, we do have a and, and, and again, if you are talking about donors, we also have to be see, looking more at how do you also get donors from the global south? So you look at the donor the donor system and, and the different people who are part of that, the partners who are within the system and the different roles that we play and the different resources that we bring to the table. How do, are we all part of the change process? Because what we have now, the power imbalance that we have now Actually, you even see it mirrored, reflected also in um, sometimes NGO, CSO relationships within countries, because if you have a certain system, a certain template that is expected, For example, you are working with an INGO who is working with the donor that imposes a certain template, and they impose it on the NGO. The NGO is working with a community-based organization. They also impose it. So it reflects through the whole system. So that change, the change, that, that transformation that we want, should include these different parts so that we can make sure that we are not replicating When we bring about a change, we are not going to be replicating a power imbalance at some different level. I think we are working, we are going to be looking at principles and values and systems that are informed by those principles and values. And that is what needs to to be reflected through the whole system. And for me, I'm not one of those who believes that INGOs will become extinct. I don't see that happening. I actually see a very important role for INGOs within a system that looks at equitable power balance and a number of things. I mean, INGO are in a very good position to really look at pulling together global solidarity, you know, enabling global solidarity to address some of the global challenges that we are facing now. Working with local partners. Partners in Ghana or in Sierra Leone or in Mexico cannot necessarily do that alone. But you may have INGOs that have connections with all these different parts. They can pull together voices and facilitate their agents to engage um, decision makers at the global level to bring about change. That is a role that INGOs can play very well. Global advocacy opportunities can therefore be taken advantage of. INGOs could actually enable cross-learning, different continents, cross-learning, within continents, cross-learning. INGOs could actually enable knowledge from the global south to even get to partners and other citizens in the global north. A lot more than even Global South organizations who want their information to go out there could get it just because of where they are positioned. We don't need to throw the baby away with the bathwater at all, not at all. We could actually be doing something that will enable the better world that that all of us want to live in. One that respects what we all bring to the table and respects who we are and respects our context the way it must be so i that's how i see i see
0: this yeah that's really quite powerful to already hear from you how you would see a future role for the for the ICSOs and you talked a little bit about how the different pieces of innovation have to be interconnected and to be looked at as a whole so we don't actually create new power imbalances but root the new systems really deeply in our values. Now, I don't want to go too much into the negative here, but Wolfgang, could you still say, taking into consideration what Nana just mentioned, where you would warn ICSOs against or where you think they need to be extra careful not to cement existing or creating new power gaps?
2: I mean, the first thing that ICSO needs to do and need to continue to do is to listen. We've just heard from Nana now a couple of incredibly helpful suggestions about the future role. So we must not forget, you know, that this is not just about ICSOs rethinking their own mandate, but listening to what is expected from them. And there's a couple of things that they shouldn't do or should discontinue to do. For instance, defending a status quo that might have worked for many of them for years. That also includes denying or defending privileges. The most obvious ones being the salaries or the tax privileges that many expats have are also the fact that expats very often have leadership positions rather than um, them being available to to local staff, for instance. I think there's also the danger or maybe something that needs to stop is to speak for and about partners, you know, to kind of discontinue this paternalistic approach of talking about people and talking for the partners and the people we serve. It is sometimes a tricky and even logistically difficult exercise, you know, to let the partners and the people we serve speak for themselves, but I think it's highly needed. We must not overburden partners. That's another kind of danger. And lastly, for this list, at least, organizations who have learned to work for change, to work for transformational change, need also to learn or relearn to embrace change for their own organizations.
0: Thank you for that top level list. We need to slowly come to an end. So wrapping up, I would like to hear from both of you, sort of headline level, what would be actually your main request or expectation towards sort of the three key actors that we've or sets of actors that we've now talked about? A ICSOs, B donors or C local level actors. Starting with you, Wolfgang.
2: ICSOs, clearly, to start with them, uh, to reformulate and rethink their mandates, to start the transformations at home, but don't stop at home and and go way beyond that. Celebrate exit and celebrate, you know, stopping. And and we have this wonderful project that that says stopping as success. ICSOs also need to learn much more to step back. This is no more about their logos. This is no more about individual kind of vanities, and and lastly, exercise trust and, and take risks, the same risks that they're expecting from their partners. A bit of a challenge for civil society organizations, and I'm happy that Nana will speak last so she can compliment or, or re-challenge, but also for civil society organizations, do not get too cozy in the relationships that are working for many parties at the moment. Also don't just focus on the money, it is not always about money, and this makes transformations sometimes so difficult if if we focus too much on that. Then there's a danger that one loses legitimacy when power is being taken or being given, when power is shifted. I've seen that in, in a number of cases and and lastly focus on the capacities that those organizations have rather than asking for uh, those capacities to be built and just one uh, expectation to donors they need to be ready to change themselves and particularly challenge the routines that they sometimes seem insurmountable and sometimes you hide behind but you need to walk the talk you cannot expect others to do all that without changing yourself.
0: Thanks Wolfgang. Same question to you Nana. Well I mean for me I would speak To all three, but I
1: also think that there are some things that may be particular. One is introspection and self-reflection. And I think that that is important. Check racism, check patriarchy, check the othering, you know, acknowledge the privilege and see how best to use it for transformation. We also need to be less transactional kind of relationship and one that is more transformational. I have mentioned that earlier. The systems change needs to happen also at all the different levels. The benchmarks that we work with, the frameworks, our governance, our management, our culture are all these taking into consideration the different partners that we are working with and how to ensure that none of them is put at a disadvantage because of the the frame, the systems that we have in place. Advocacy with partners, I believe that that's something that INGOs would definitely have to do, particularly where governments are concerned, especially their institutional donors. Openness to learn. I like the points that Wolfgang made about listening. There must be trust building and respect for the other. There must be co-creation. We believe, and I I mean, as an African, we very much believe in the, the concept of Ubuntu, the fact that I am because you are, we are very connected, we are interconnected. And where we don't look at strengthening each other, the chain is weakest at its weakest link. You know, so so if, if we don't strengthen the weak amongst us, all of us are weak. And, and I think that is important. So building solidarity with others is also critical. I would ask local organizations to get out of the dependency mindset. Many of us have have had to depend particularly on external donors for so many years. We've internalized that in our own systems, and there's a need for us to get out of that and look within to see how we can also get the resources that we need, material, financial, human resources that we need to support the, the work that we do. Social justice, social accountability, and social protection work, and, and all, all of that. We need to recognize our own power and also build models from our own indigenous knowledge. There's so much wisdom and knowledge that we have, that we have marginalized. So how do we also really get the, the that wisdom and knowledge and build models that we can learn from, good models? And donors need to be less transactional. Now I'm talking about External donors, when I say external, a lot of them coming from the global north, particularly the institutional donors, and even sometimes the foundations, they need to be less transactional, just about ticking boxes. They need to be less risk averse. And that means that there needs to be some level of trust when you are working with partners. They need to value the context that they are engaging in and acknowledge the resources of others. I think Wolfgang has mentioned some of these things already. These are some of the things that I would advise that all of us would have to look at 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 our different levels. And I think that if we are really serious about this, we can't bring about the transformation. It's not going to happen quickly because systems, when you are changing systems that have been there for decades and, and, and ages, it does take time. But it's not impossible. So we need to seize the momentum and make sure that the change actually does happen.
0: Thank you. Those were fantastic parting words. Let's seize our window of opportunity and use the critical mass we already have to become so big that we cannot roll any of these advances backward. And let's work together on really achieving meaningful change. I know Ringo and the centre are already working together and we're looking forward to working together with many of our listeners out there. Thank you both so much for your time today and your insights and uh, reflections on this important topic. And I look forward to continuing this conversation and most importantly, the action. Thank
2: you. Thank you, Nana. Thank you, Miriam.
0: Thank you for listening. We'll include links to the resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. Many thanks to our podcast producer, Julia Pazos, and we'll be back again soon with more episodes. Until next time.